0: have set aside wisdom for some kind of emotional response or perhaps even a spur of the moment response that we think might be being prompted in us in some way. And instead of learning and living according to wisdom, we tend to live according to our own inner desires. We can have a tendency to get those things confused. And So I'd like to just read, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Proverbs 3 verses 13 through 18 and just to to ground us in the importance of wisdom. And then we're going to take a a look at a variety of scriptures that reveal to us the nature of wisdom, how to pursue wisdom, the the value of wisdom.
1: Hello and welcome again to another week with Grace Maryville Weekly, a ministry of Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee. Over the past couple of weeks, Pastor Chris has been encouraging us with messages from the Psalms. And last week, we started in on a series called Topics for Tough Times. This week, we'll continue a topic of tough time by discussing the topic of wisdom. This message was first delivered at Grace Community Church on Wednesday night from the pulpit, where Pastor Chris dove into a definition of wisdom, the importance of wisdom, the acquiring of wisdom and the exercise of wisdom if you would please turn with us to proverbs chapter 3
0: we have set aside wisdom for some kind of emotional response or perhaps even a spur of the moment response that we think might be being prompted in us in some way and instead of learning and living according to wisdom we tend to live according to our own inner desires we can have a tendency to get those things confused and So I'd like to just read, I'm just going to read a couple of verses from Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 18, and just to to ground us in the importance of wisdom. And then we're going to take a look at a variety of scriptures that reveal to us the nature of wisdom, how to pursue wisdom, the, the value of wisdom. And we're going to, as much as possible, get intensely practical tonight, trying to determine how is it that we actually exercise wisdom in the midst of difficulty. So Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 13 this is, is really, the book of Proverbs is all about wisdom and its importance. And here it says, How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain is better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. So here, just extolling and commending the value of wisdom, the beauty of wisdom, the joy of wisdom, and really even the rewards of wisdom. Now, if you think back in your life, you can probably come up with more than one time when or where you did not act with wisdom. Thinking back on my own life, there are a multitude, I can think of a multitude of times when I chose to act in ways that really were, were not even necessarily common sense. So you do things that are foolish. For example, one time I was camping and uh, I had lost the normal camping cup that I used. And uh, so I, I, I boiled some water over the, uh, over the fire and I borrowed someone else's cup. So I took that cup. It was a metal cup. And I placed it in between my knees. I was wearing shorts, and I took that boiling water and I poured it into the metal cup. Well, you can imagine what happened. Right? Instantly, the metal transferred the heat to the inside of my knees, and I had two. And and yeah, I yelped, maybe screamed is a better word. Uh, the 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 hot coffee that I was trying to create splashed to the ground, and on the inside of my knees, I had these two round burn spots. We would say that is unwise behavior. So that's lacking common sense, but really, it's not what I'm talking about tonight. It is good to have common sense. It is good to exercise those kinds of wisdom where you don't burn yourself with, uh, you know, cups and things like that. But much more importantly is learning how to live skillfully in biblical terms, how to take biblical principles and apply them carefully to every aspect of life. And that's really what wisdom is all about. But if you think back, you can also probably think of times in which you knew biblical principles, there were certain things that you knew, and yet you chose in a certain situation to set those biblical principles aside. Maybe it was because you had a a greater desire for something and it overrode those biblical principles. Maybe it was because you really didn't understand quite how to apply those principles in that particular situation, and, and so you just acted somewhat impulsively. Maybe it was because, as you sought to put those principles into practice, they were, it was difficult and you gave up. So even when we know what wisdom should look like, even when we know biblical principles, we can all think back to times when we did not exercise that wisdom as we should have. And what I'd like to, to present to you tonight is, is that in every circumstance, in every aspect of our lives, whether it be at home, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's just in our thoughts, it, for believers, it is not only desirable; it is not only right and good. It is also possible to live out wisdom. See, if we were just trying to do this on our own, if we did, just had occasional surges of strength that we were given as believers, then certainly our wisdom would be exhibited, uh, you know, from time to time, and maybe it would it would never grow past a particular place. But in Christ, we have been given every resource we need, all of the power of of the very living God himself living inside of us that we can take hold of to exercise wisdom. And we will need to do that. We will need to take hold of his power so that in our words, in our actions, in, in our thoughts, in our motives, we will ever increasingly grow in the skillful use of the word of God. But there's a reason for all of this. You see, essentially, any time we choose to act unwisely, where we know the principles of God's word and don't do it, or where we're ignorant of the principles of God's word and therefore don't put them into practice, isn't just that, well, that was unwise. What we are doing is we are not glorifying Christ to the full extent that we could. And this, to the heart of every believer, is grievous. We long to live for the one in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He saved us that we might take hold of those riches and that we might live them out to a world that needs to see his glory and back to our Savior who delights in our exercise of the wisdom that he himself has granted to us. So we'll see this this evening is that life as a believer is only lived well when it is lived wisely. That is, that the principles of God's word are heard, understood, treasured, and practiced through the power of the Spirit and for the glory of Christ. Life as a believer is only lived well when it is lived wisely. That is, that the principles of God's word are heard, understood, treasured, and practiced through the power of the Spirit of God and for the glory of Christ. Wise living is Christ-exalting, and it is full of the reward of the riches of Christ himself. So let's just jump right in. There's a a ton to cover tonight, and so we'll seek to work our way through a definition and then how to acquire wisdom, how to exercise wisdom, and some very specific, practical pointers on how it is that we might make wise decisions, and then we'll end discussing the rewards of wisdom. So first, the definition. There are many, many definitions of wisdom out there. As I was studying for this, I've, I've done multiple series on wisdom. I've never taken all of that information and kind of put it together into one message. So that certainly was a bit of a challenge. But I was trying to work through all of my different definitions of wisdom over the years. And I have about six of them. I'm not going to read them all. But each one is a little bit of a variation on a theme that I've tried to combine all together into the definition that we have for tonight. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is And really, again, these are theological definitions. They're not so much a definition out of the dictionary or a definition simply even out of like a a Greek lexicon. I'll give you the base meaning of the word. But this is a theological definition where we take all of the information Scripture has to say about this particular word group and the words that are synonymous to it and try to put all of that together into one definition. So here's this working definition. Wisdom is the Holy Spirit-produced result of a true fear of the Lord, which enables a believer to understand the commands and principles of the word of God and to skillfully and consistently apply them to every aspect of life. It's somewhat of a definition, but it's necessary to really incorporate as much as possible of the foundation of what wisdom is. I mean, some people say wisdom is wise living. Well, what kind of wise living? Wise living, uh, you know, on, on whose on who's determination? Some people say, it's, well, it's wise living according to Scripture, but how do you live wisely according to Scripture? So the idea is to, to put as much of the richness of what true biblical wisdom is into this definition. One more time. By the way, if you are watching, you can, uh, we put the PDF of this outline without any blanks. If you uh, can want to click on, on that PDF, you can get all of this information that I'm uh, giving you now. Wisdom, the Holy Spirit produced result of a true fear of the Lord, which enables a believer to understand the commands and principles of the word of God to skillfully and consistently apply them to every aspect of life. Let's work our way through the definition. First, the Holy Spirit produced results. True wisdom is, of course, Spiritual. It's not having to do with learning uh, lots of, you know, getting lots of book knowledge, of having a high IQ, of doing really well on your ACT, all of the things that we tend to think of as wisdom. You know, Dr. Cranium with the massive, you know, intellect that is able to solve all the mysteries of the universe. Uh, Stephen Hawking who, you know, types away, typed away on his little computer and solved uh, to him seemingly the mysteries of what went on in outer space. No, true wisdom is spiritual. It is produced by the Spirit of God working in our mind, our will, our affections, and our conscience through the Word of God. And it, Now, don't just pass over this. I know that every essentially every, in, every definition I introduce begins with this, but that's for a reason, because nothing that we do as believers has exactly the same kind of definition as unbelievers have. Unbelievers don't have this wisdom. They don't have, they cannot have biblical wisdom because they do not have the Spirit of God. And it's important to understand this definition because so many people tend to view wisdom, even as believers, as something that they have come up with. That now that they're a believer, they, they maybe know better, they've got the Bible, they've got some good teaching, and they on their own or in their own intellect somehow are able or required by Scripture to act in this wisdom. But it is only by the power of the Spirit of God. Every wise decision we make, every wise motive that arises from within our hearts, every wise use of the word of God is a supernatural act. It is never generated on our own because there is no wisdom apart from the work of the spirit of God, the illumination of the spirit of God and the empowerment of the spirit of God. You as a Christian, never made a single wise decision apart from the power of the Spirit. This is vital because so much of the church views everything else as spiritual. If you have an ecstatic utterance or some kind of unique experience or some kind of movement in your heart or, or a voice that you hear, that's considered to be the work of the Spirit of God. No, the work of the Spirit of God, the primary work in the heart of the believer for his daily action is the work of wisdom. The Spirit. illumines the word and empowers the heart so that we can accomplish God's work. And by empowering the heart, I mean the spirit of God works with our mind, will, affections, and conscience through the word of God. He does not take it over. He does not co-opt our mind, our will, and our affections and then just simply speak with us as some kind of passive instrument. He speaks to our inner man, and our inner man, then, that mind, will, and affections, and conscience is what we use to live wisely. 1 Corinthians 2.12 makes this clear. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So the world spirit, that is what the world knows, the culture of the world, the understanding that could be drawn from natural humanistic ideas. We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Notice, these things we teach. The things that the Spirit of God illumines to our inner man through the principles of the Word of God and enables us to speak them. But they are certainly not human wisdom when they come through the truth of the Word of God and are empowered by the Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit-produced result of a true fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. In several other passages, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that skillful application of the principles of the word of God. You cannot act wisely if you don't have a proper reverence for God himself. The fear of the Lord is a delightful, dreadful, consuming, reverential awe of God that drives us to our knees in worship and then out into the world in humble service. It is that comprehension of the character and nature of God which causes us to be in awe of him, to have this holy dread of him. He's not like us. This fear is not found for any other being in the universe. We might have a craven fear of those who would harm us. We might have a certain awe or respect or even dread of someone who is very powerful. But this fear is of one who is totally other than us not another human being that we fear, but the God of the universe. So it's a unique reverence, a unique relationship, and it itself is granted by the Spirit of God and comes through the truth of the Word of God. The sphere of the Lord is absolutely essential so that we will then take these principles of His Word and desire to live them out for His glory. And no unbeliever ever had a true fear of the Lord. They have only a craven fear. That is, they cringe in fear if they ever catch a glimpse of the nature of God or the judgment of God. This kind of fear is only for the believer, this delightful, dreadful, consuming, reverential awe. And it is foundational. It's the first thing that has to happen before you can live wisely. So you begin to see why no unbeliever can have this. Because to have a fear of the Lord means you are a believer. You have recognized your need. You have recognized his right to judge, his holiness and his justice. You have recognized his power and and his his responsibility as a just and holy judge to judge you unto eternal hell. And you've responded to the work of Christ, whom you have seen as honorable and beautiful, your Savior and your Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. That's what it does. And wisdom only comes through this Holy Spirit-produced characteristic that is based in a true fear of the Lord, which then enables the believer. All true believers have this true fear. And when you have it, it enables you to properly respond to the principles of Scripture. Number four, the fourth part of this definition, which enables a believer to understand. Only the Spirit can enable you to actually understand the truths of Scripture. Now, you might want to do them. Maybe even some believers look and say, well, I'd like to do that. Or I I think maybe I would like to try those. Those look like great principles. But no unbeliever actually understands how to live those principles out for the glory of Christ. You see, unbelievers can understand the principles, do this for wisdom and, and get counsel. They understand that. But they don't understand the spiritual component of this wisdom, which is that these things are done so that Christ would be glorified. And only the Spirit of God enables that understanding. 1 Corinthians 2.14. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. Believers can, unbelievers can look at the word and know what the words mean. They can even understand what the concepts are, but they can never do so with a desire to bring glory to God through Christ. And that's true wisdom. That's the true use of any of these principles. And so even when an unbeliever can look at something and go, oh, I understand what that means, they cannot put it into practice in a truly wise way. They cannot truly understand its meaning in relationship to the glory of God. So it is that Holy Spirit produced result of a true fear of the Lord, which enables a believer to understand the commands and principles of the word of God. Wisdom does not come from the principles of science, of education, of philosophy. Although those things, properly understood can reflect the wisdom that God has, but they are not the grounds of the wisdom of God. No, this wisdom comes from the principles of the Word. Wisdom consists of understanding what God commands and prohibits, as well as the various scriptural principles which apply to the way we live in every situation. The commands, thou shalt not kill, The principles, thou shalt love, or you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. There's a whole bunch of commands bound up in the principle to love. There's prohibitions. There are things that we are to do and not to do. Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they're ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I've observed your precepts. Note that the psalmist is not saying that the student then all of a sudden gains more information than the teacher, all of a sudden becomes a a better scientist than the teacher was. The, The idea of understanding the principles of the word of God, making you, giving you a greater wisdom than teachers and more insight means that you can take those principles and properly apply them in the world. The greatest of scientists with with the most information, if he's not a believer, he's never honored Christ with that information and therefore has never been truly wise. And so the youngest child who's a true believer actually exhibits more wisdom in having responded to the Lord Jesus than that great scientist might. And so it is the principles and commands of the Word of God that are to be understood and known and live. And it is those principles and commands that enable you to live wisely regardless of what you're doing. As you are a great scientist, as you are perhaps learning to be a wonderful musician, as you are skillfully digging your ditches and changing your diapers, it is the principles and commands of the Word of God that make you wise in doing those things. So the Holy Spirit empowered Or produced result of the true fear of the Lord, which enables a believer to understand the commands and principles of the Word of God, to skillfully and to skillfully and consistently apply them. You see, to be truly wise is to exercise wisdom well. It is to be skillful at it. This is something that we get better at. We don't come into the Word, we don't become believers in the fullness of wisdom. Because of our finite capacity, we have to grow and learn, and we do so by understanding the scriptures, and constantly practicing them, and we grow in our skillful use of these principles. But not only skillfully, not only to do it well, but to do it consistently. You see, you're not wise if you just can make one right decision out of a day. You're not wise if the decision you made was only kind of halfway good. No, wisdom is skillful. You are you do an excellent job at ascertaining what needs to be done in a particular situation and putting God's principles into practice. And you do that every single time and in all of the circumstances of your life. That's the goal of wisdom. You are growing in wisdom as you, as you get, gain more skill and as you are more consistent. Ezra 7, 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses. He was a scribe who kind of knew the law of Moses. He was a scribe, you know, he was passingly good at the law. I mean, who wants that? Who wants someone that is kind of good at scripture or sort of understands how to put it into place? If you're going to lead, if you're going to truly set an example, you need to be skillful. That's what Ezra was. He studied, he planned, he prepared. It goes on to say in Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of God and to practice it. This is the basis of wisdom, to study the law of God, to practice it. We'll see that in just a moment. And then, as it were, to teach His statutes and ordinances in Israel. You're not really qualified to teach until you skillfully live. That's why we don't let younger people jump into the pulpit or become pastors and elders, because they don't have the requisite wisdom. Even if they have lots of knowledge and are good exegetes, they don't have the requisite wisdom. That is, having studied and practiced so they can then properly teach. Wisdom infuses teaching, but not exactly the same thing. Wisdom is more fundamental than even the gift or ability to teach. So this wisdom is the Holy Spirit enabled or produced result of a true fear of the Lord, which enables a believer to understand the commands and principles of the Word of God, to skillfully and consistently apply them, that is practice them, actually do them, not just think about them, not skillfully and consistently teach them, not skillfully and consistently even understand them, but skillfully and consistently apply them. Hebrews five fourteen, which is 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 kind of a theme verse for me tonight, one that has impacted my life deeply as I as I came across it many years ago, uh, and then went over it and over it, and each time it gets deeper. He, Hebrews five fourteen, but solid food. Paul really is lamenting the the immaturity, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it was. He is lamenting the the immature state of the church or churches to which he is writing. He says, here's their problem. He wanted to give them solid food. That is, he wanted to give them better teaching or more teaching, deeper teaching, not just so they could get more information, so they could actually live more consistently and more more, in a more God-glorifying way for the glory of Christ. He says, but I can't do that because he says solid food is for the mature. And here's the definition of mature. Why is who because of practice, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That's not, their, that's not their sight and their smell and their eyes. It's their spiritual senses. And notice what the author of Hebrews says. It is through practice that this happens. See, people think, and is too often taught in Christian circles, that you come to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, you don't really have to do much more work because the Spirit of God will simply infuse into you all the wisdom you know. This is anti-scriptural. It is unbiblical. The Spirit of God takes the principles of the Word of God, illumines your heart and minds with the ones that you know and understand, and then enables you to practice those, but it does not enable you to practice things you don't know. You don't get mature. You don't come to maturity by not putting into practice these principles. You can't just know them. Now, that's Holy Spirit-produced effort. It is He who gives the ability to put them into practice, but you have to practice them. They have their senses trained. As we'll see, their mind, their will, their affections, and their conscience are carefully and finely tuned to the principles of the Word of God like an instrument that has been carefully tuned, the instruments tuned together so that they play in harmony, so they play the same notes. Well, that's true. We are to be on the same page, the same notes as the Word of God and as God himself, and our senses have to be trained to what? To discern good and evil. There's the issue. To be wise is always to choose what is good and always to reject what is evil. In every case, with every decision, in every circumstance of life, to choose the good and to reject the evil. So we are to apply these principles. Who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil? And this is in every aspect of life. You can't just pick one way. Well, I'm really wise in this. See, there are no specialists in the Christian life. I get to specialize in being really wise in how I teach God's word, but I'm a fool everywhere else. I don't think that's going to fly. I'm really, really good at taking the principle of thou shalt not kill and not killing anybody. But I don't do so well with adultery. Or That's not going to fly. Every area of life, every motive, every thought, every situation, every sphere of influence that you have, you are required to be excellent, skilled in applying the principles of the word of God. 1 Timothy 4.12. Paul says to Timothy, this young man, 30 to 35, who was supposed to be leading this church, relatively younger, but well-trained, and one who had been seasoned in wise living, though he was yet young. 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Show yourself an example for those who believe. That's every aspect of life. The things you say, the things you do, your motives, purity, holiness, everything. Timothy was to be an example. He was to be wise beyond his years, as it were. And that is the call that goes out to every believer. That's the definition. What's the importance then of wisdom? Now, I've already stated it probably multiple times already, but this is important because people in our day and age have begun, and Christians have begun to dispense with this idea of wisdom, either simply equating it with worldly wisdom of knowing things and being wise and being having good common sense. They go, All right, so that's fine, but Christians don't really need that necessarily. Well, they're right. They don't need that wisdom. But again, this is a spiritual characteristic that is absolutely essential to bring glory to God. Wisdom is essential to accomplish God's will. Hear me carefully. The only way the Word of God and the will of God will get done is if you exercise wisdom. It doesn't happen automatically. You are not wise just simply because you became a believer. All the potential for wisdom is there, but you're not wise simply because of that. To accomplish God's will, you have to exercise. You have to live out wisdom ever increasingly. Now, th- this should seem obvious, and I'm, I hope it is obvious to you. But this is something that you're gonna have to battle so much of what is going on in our Christian circles today, where they're saying, look, just you know, just go what you got. Even Christians, just kind of go with what you feel. Just in the moment you'll have this ability to act rightly. No, you won't. You're going to have to be wise. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By emoting in the moment. By waiting to to receive a special word from God. No, that's not what the text says. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have what? Treasured in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you you. You learned this when you were two, three, four, some of you, five years old. And so often we act like this verse doesn't actually exist. Like somehow we don't have to train ourselves or treasure these truths or put them into practice or even evaluate whether we're actually doing that. And we call it legalism and, well, you're just too caught up in these things and, you know, just live your life. You are going to have to treasure the word of God and evaluate and know if you even do, and then know if you're actually putting it into practice. You will never one time accomplish the will of God if you aren't wise because wisdom is living out the, the principles and commands of the word of God. Wisdom is essential to accomplish God's will. Wisdom, and these aren't separate. These are all part of the same thing Two, Wisdom is essential to bring God glory then. To accomplish God's will isn't just simply to, well, okay, I did what God said today. It is to bring him glory today. The only way that God receives glory is when in for Christians, is when believers accomplish His will. Psalm or uh, Philippians one nine, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that that would be wisdom. Knowledge combined with discernment is wisdom so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ, why? To the glory and praise of God. As we continually live out love that God has placed within our hearts in wisdom, real knowledge, and all discernment, then God receives the glory in ever-increasing measure.
1: For joining us today on Grace Maryville Weekly. We pray that your heart has been encouraged and your faith has been strengthened by the teaching of God's Word. If you would like to find out more about the ministry of Grace Community Church located in downtown Maryville, Tennessee, please visit us online at gracemaryville.org. Again, that is gracemareville.org. Online you will be able to find out more about the many ministries that we offer including our youth ministry, our women's and men's ministry, as well as our college-age ministry. Not only will you be able to find out more about the many ministries that we do offer, you'll be able to access a full audio archive of messages presented from the pulpit at Grace Community Church. Again, please join us on Friday, where Pastor Chris will conclude this two-part message.